So, um, yes, Nick has put a lot of trust in my hands here. So I kind of, uh, first I'm going to use laser pointer. It's fun. Um, but he doesn't really know what I'm going to say. But here's a little um, sneak peek in what, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what It's Fortnite the first is. time certain people have ever paid attention, so yeah. you're already doing good. So, who loves Fortnite? Who's addicted to Fortnite? Yeah. Alright, good. Well, um, yeah, so today we're actually not going to talk about James, we're going to talk about Fortnite. Um, so, here we have a wonderful third person view of the player. And, um, you know, so the first tip I just want to say is actually that we're not going to talk about Fortnite. <laughs> but I wanted to uh, get some of you paying attention. So. Uh, Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's take a look at this passage. So we already read it. Um, let's see. But just to get a few things out of the way. Um, so, James talks about a lot of things um, very fast. And especially in this heading, so we're just doing the stuff under the heading that says hearing and doing the word. Um, so I'm just going to read this first part again which is verse 19. So know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive, this, receive with meekness the implanted word. So something I think is interesting here is, I know we all hear this verse all the time, like, yeah, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But something is... Why should we be slow to anger? Like, we all know anger has this effect on us, and it's, you know, wickedness, filthiness, not pleasing to God, but why should we be slow to anger? Well, I think one of the easy answers to that question is anger makes doing the right thing much harder. It's harder to do the right thing, or really anything, actually, for that matter, when you're angry. Just a little example. Uh, so the other day, um, I was just sitting at home, and my dad calls me up, and he says, Hey, Tom, um... Why don't you go put the seats back in the van? So we have this, you know, awesome Honda Odyssey, the mom car of the generation. And um, <laughs> we had taken the middle seats out. Um, I don't remember why. They were out of the car, and I needed to put them back in. So I was like, okay, I can do it. So I go over, I, um, I get the seat, I open the doors, ready. There's three chairs out of the middle. Pick up the first one. I'm expecting it to be like 20, 25 pounds. <laughs> These new Honda Odysseys are not... Lightweight. <laughs> this chair was probably at least 50, felt like 100 pounds. Anyway, pick it up, and there's four clips four that you have to put in. You have to slide it in, and then it rocks back and it locks in. So, and keep in mind, it's 50 pounds, so it's like really heavy, you know. So I get it in, and I get it locked in, but like two out of the four are locked in, and the other two aren't. So I'm like, okay, like jostling around. Finally, get it locked in. Okay, okay, one down. Now look at the other two chairs. Like the chair I just put in. I realized I put the chair in on the wrong side. So now I have to, you know, play with the 500 levers that this chair has to try and get it unlocked so I can put it over there. So I'm going through this whole process, get it over there, you know, three minus 50 pounds. And I get the other chair in, finally. And this whole time I'm getting a little frustrated, like, I'm just not going to get it. Pulling each one of the 500 levers to get it unlocked and everything. This whole time I was getting more and more frustrated. And finally, 
I got them all three in. I was like, okay, wow. That could have been a lot easier if I just hadn't gotten frustrated. Um, so yeah, another thing that anger, I think, does is prevents us from showing the fruits of the Spirit. So I think in that, in those moments, <laughs> if you'd asked me if I felt like I was portraying the fruits of the Spirit, I would have said no. <laughs> um, let's see. So let's also just look at this, this um, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So I think it's interesting to see. So he puts hearing and anger really close together. I think the question we should ask is, why? Like, why is, what does hearing have to do with anger? Um, and what are we supposed to be hearing? Well, let's look back at the verses, or just the verse before this. So, this is verse 18. He says, of his own, yes, that's what it says. Of his own, we will, wow, I can't read. Of his own, will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So he mentions this word of truth here in verse 18. And I think James, this is one of the themes he carries on through the rest of his um, chapter, at least. Um, but what is the word of truth? Does anybody have an idea of what the word of truth is? Any, any bells being rung here? Anything that comes to mind when you hear word of truth? You guys can do it. Just throw something out there. The Bible. <laughs> yes, the Bible. <laughs> nice. Um, yes, yeah, so the Bible or the gospel. So if we look, um, let's see where it is. At 21, it says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. I think this implanted word that he's talking about is a carryover from 18. So he's talking about the word of truth, the Bible, the gospel. So... He wants us to be able to receive this word of truth better. So what does hearing and anger have to do with each other? Um, well, James obviously wants us to hear the word of truth. I think anger is a barrier to that hearing. So ultimately, James's goal is to get rid of our barriers, like anger, so that we can better receive the implanted word. So I think it kind of goes without saying when you're really angry, you know, when somebody says, calm down, you don't really want to listen to them in that moment, and you're kind of like, all right, just go get them. But, I think what James is saying is be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, so that we can better receive that implanted word. Uh, let's go on to the second section. So this would be verses 22 through 25. Um, uh, I'll just read it for us. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away at once, and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So this first section was about hearing, and now this second section is about doing. So now that we can hear, what does James want us to hear? And then what does he want us to do? So does anybody know? Can everybody give me, give me a shot? Why does... So James wants us to be doers rather than hearers, and why would that be? Or you could put it another way, James wants us to be hearers and doers. Yeah? Because if you just hear it and then don't do anything, nothing happens because of it. If you just yeah. listen to it, it goes into your brain, but if you actually act it out, actions speak louder than words. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so we have to be able to hear it, understand it, so then we can do it. When I tell my son to clean his room, if he just listens to me, 
and sits on the couch continually, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be disobedience. So I think hearing and then not doing, if you really understand what you hear, that's disobedience, which is not what we're supposed to do. Um, but James gives us a really good example of what that would look like, and obviously it doesn't make any sense. So that's in 23. I'm just going to read it again. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. So what's the point of looking in a mirror? Well, you look in a mirror and you're like, wow, I have stuff in my teeth. <laughs> or my hair is uh, messed up. But you don't look in the mirror so you can say, wow, I'm really ugly today. And then, you know, you just don't do anything about it. You look at yourself in the mirror so that you can do something about it, right? So... James is saying that if you look at yourself in the mirror and then don't do anything about it, there's kind of no point in looking at the mirror. So he's saying, if you hear the word, but then don't do anything about it, there's kind of no point in hearing the word either. Um, and depending on the behavior and the uh, attitude toward it, that could be just straight-up disobedience. Um, let's see. So just to recap what we've um, gone through here, Verse 19 says we are to be quick to hear so that we can better receive the word of truth. But what is the point of receiving that word of truth? It's not just that we receive it, but that we actually go ahead and do it. But what are we actually supposed to do? Well, I think James gives us a layup there in this last section. So let's read that. Uh, this is verse 26. If, anything, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So does anybody know what bridle means in this context? What the word bridle means? Yes, Ryan. Control. Yes, yeah. So it's just controlling. So just... To give you an idea more of what this word means, the dictionary definition is the headgear used to control a horse consisting of buckle straps to which a bit and reins are attached. So the whole point of the bridle is to control the horse, control where it goes. And James says here that, um, and if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives start, this person's religion is worthless. Um, so we talked about bridle meaning control. Well, James, so there's a theme running throughout this about control. And if we look back at 19, he says what we just talked about. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think bridling your tongue and being slow to speak are really closely connected, um, which would also help you be slow to anger, I think. Um, so James gives us a view of what worthless religion would be, but then he comes up and says uh, what pure religion would be. And he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So this is kind of a confusing verse, especially for this age group. So it's kind of hard to go visit orphans and widows when you're in middle school and high school. Um, but just some true examples of those people. Um, this past year in our church, um, I know of just two that come to mind right off the bat. So we have Debbie Coda um, and Sharon Bergen. Um, so 
as a middle schooler, you can't just hop in a car and drive yourself and go visit some widows. Um, but some things that you can do, um, you know, you come to church every Sunday, and you're just walking down the hall, and obviously if you know them, you can just go up to one of them and say, how are you doing? Like, just have a conversation with them. Because I think one of the best ways to let people know that you care about them is just to have a conversation with them. Um, let's see. So, and then back to what this verse was saying. So, visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And now back in this time, I think what James is doing is just, he's setting apart certain people groups that are in need. So he's saying, go visit these people because they have a need. So I think we can feel free to say what other people groups are in need, and then what can we do for them. Um, a big people group, obviously, that comes to mind when you're talking about need is poor people. Um, and then also outcasts. Um, but just a quick story about um, helping poor people. So last summer, I was working uh, in Ohio and living with my sister Hillary and her husband Jared. Um, I got home from work and we ran out of milk, which is a huge crisis. So <laughs> it's like 10 o'clock at night and you know you need milk. <laughs> That's the time when you most need milk. So <laughs> I got in my car and I drove to Walmart. I think it was like three miles away. And by the way, this Walmart is open 24-7, so that's really nice. But I get there at 10 o'clock, you know, I walk in, I'm like, I'm in this Walmart at 10 o'clock, I just kind of want to get in, get out. But I go, find the milk, and go into the whole grocery store, like, I'm get in line, I'm third in line, and the first person goes through, and then the second person in line um, is a lady, and she's putting her stuff on the, uh, the little conveyor belt. She goes up to the cashier, and she goes, I only have $80, just so you know. And, you know, so she starts ringing up her items and goes through, um, and at the end, uh, her total came to $87. And she goes, I told you, I only have $80. Um, so he goes, well, I guess we're just going to have to start taking things off. So, pause. And now in my mind, I'm second in line, I'm thinking, oh man, <laughs> seven bucks. I can't really spend that. Um, but, so, Jared had given me his credit card to go buy the milk. So, <laughs> thinking, I don't know, I don't know if Jared really, you know, want me paying for this, like, seven bucks, or... Um, I was just kind of like, you know, well, I, I guess I do have my credit card in my pocket. I could just, you know, pull it out and say, hey, it's no problem. And swipe. But, um, this whole time, I was like, and, so now, resume. They're taking things off, like strawberries and raspberries, you know, stuff that looks like she needs. And I'm just kind of like, you know, waiting for the perfect moment, like, oh yeah, that's enough stuff, I'll pay for $2. No. So I was just waiting this whole time to jump in and, you know, save the day. Um, but then they got it down to $80, she paid and she left, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> so this whole time, I was kind of just scared to jump in, you know, and help. And I mean, at this time I was working full time, so $7 was not a lot, and I was just like, there was really no excuse I had that I shouldn't, or no excuse to not help out. Um, so that whole that night, I drove home and I was like, wow, I really should have helped out. I don't know why I didn't. Um, I just came up with excuses and didn't um, jump in when the time came. Um, but all this to say, I don't say this to highlight the guilt that I had after this happened. So I'm not saying that, like, if you don't help out, you're going to be really guilty for the rest of your life. Help out. I'm saying 
that because I'm guilty in this moment, that means the next time a moment like this arises, I'll be more willing to jump in and help out. And I think um, it's, it is hard to go just jump in and help out when you see a need, but I think it is something that needs to be practiced. And then once it happens more and more, you can get the hang of it. But I think poor people, that's just something really easy. How do you help out the poor? Well, give them money. And if the context arises, I think that can be really easy. Now, back to what James was saying. He was saying to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And the second part was to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what does that mean, unstained from the world? Well, let's be honest, teenagers have it rough. So a lot of us are in public middle schools and high schools. <coughs> um, so there's two things that come to mind, especially because I came from a public school. So I know a little bit about how it is. But two things um, that I think everyone can work on, or one for the other, um, but would be uh, crude joking and gossiping. So in public school especially, but even just in day-to-day -day interactions with a lot of people, um, crude joking is one of those things that kind of goes on. And I mean, it's joking, so it's fun. You know, it just happens. Um, but it really is dangerous because if you think about it, a lot, 99% of those jokes are not giving glory to God. And so if you're not giving glory to God, who are you giving glory to? Um, so I think just being able to become more aware of when that is happening uh, in day-to-day -day conversations, it can help to really limit it. Especially, you know, a lot of times you're not the one telling the joke. You're the one, like, in, you know, with a circle of friends, just going along with it. And even going along with it, I mean, you're still not making the joke, but if you kind of, I don't know, there's not a really good way to say not go along with the joke, but I think you know what I mean. So I think refraining from laughing a lot of those times can even help to limit the crude joking. Now, I know girls don't really, well, some girls don't, but <laughs> gossiping. So, <laughs> gossiping. Um, <laughs> so gossiping, it's one of those things I think maybe easier than pure joking, um, but it just happens and like after you do it and start, you're kind of like, oh wow, I kind of didn't really mean to say those things. Or even, you can, a lot of times with the people that are listening to that gossip. Um, so what are some ways you can kind of see that gossip is happening? But let's first, let's go over what gossip is. So gossip. It can really be, so you're allowed to talk about people, right? But I guess talking behind their back would be what gossip would be called. So a lot of these times, these conversations are demeaning and not building these people up. So when you hear gossip going on, it's kind of like picking on this person. So I guess you'd want to do the reverse of that, which is to build them up. So if you hear somebody say, like, yeah, this person's so mean, whatever. And you say, well, I don't think they're that way all the time. I think in, I don't know, just bring up something that you know about them that you appreciate about them, because I think it goes a long way in a lot of situations. Um, and I know with, especially, so crude joking and gossiping, even though it's easy to do and everyone's doing it, I think that means that we should resist it all the more, especially because it is so easy. Um, so back to James. We looked at all these verses, and it took a little bit, but I think we should obviously consider how do we respond to these verses. Um, and I use the word response here, and not strictly application, because, so, Nick said I went to Cedarville, and I'm still going to. Um, 
But in the introductory class to the Bible minor, so everybody is required to have a Bible minor by the time they graduate, but in the introductory class, it's called Bible and the Gospel. My professor was going, was talking about application. And he said, you know, I, a lot of people use this word application when they're saying, like, how do we, what do we do after we read a Bible passage? Because you can read a Bible passage, then what do you do? Well, a lot of people say reply. Well, he didn't say that's wrong. He just said, I think a better way to say it would be, how do we respond to this passage? A uh, point he brought up would be, he said, um, like if you're reading Genesis 1, and you're reading the story of creation, and you read God created the heavens and the earth. How do you, his point was, how do you apply that to your life? You can't really apply, like, I'm going to go create something now. There's, there's not a direct application to your life, so you'd say you can respond to that passage, and that would be... Like, wow, God literally created the heavens and the earth. That is, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot to take in. So you can respond by giving the glory to God and realizing how powerful God is. Um, so I think a proper response to this passage would be application, because it is um, really applicatory language. Um, so let's see. So just... So what can we apply? Well, let's first review what um, he said in these verses. So James tells us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And why does he tell us this? He tells us this so we can better receive his implanted word, or the Bible. So when we receive his word, we are supposed to obey him, not disobey him, and do his word says. Um, let's see. So just three things, just another review. Um, that I think you can take away from today. Um, so be quick to hear. This is the first one. This is three. So be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So that will be allow you to better receive the implanted word that he's talking about here. Um, the second would be. So for the second and third ones, I think the first step is just becoming aware of when it's happening. Because. Um, like, crude joking and gossiping, it's really easy. Just let it slip in. But I think becoming aware of when it's going on is the first step. And then, so trying to beat these habits um, that a lot of people have. As long as you're praying and asking God to help you with these things, and you put a good effort, don't get down on yourself when you fail. So if you catch yourself gossiping or crude joking, it's not the end of the world. But I would say, rather have joy when you succeed through the power of Christ to beat these things that are so common in our society. And that's it. Um, did we want to do a question and answer time? We can close that. We can close. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Dear God, I thank you for um, the opportunity to come here today and uh, just to worship you. Um, I thank you for your word and uh, for James. And I pray that as we go from here, you would help us all to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, because when we're angry, it's, it's, hard to, it's really hard to give you glory, God. So I pray that um, as we go here today, um, we would, this word would impact us and have a direct impact on our lives. Uh, so I thank you for these kids, and I pray that your word would have a good impact on them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tommy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Tommy, just thankful for your uh, your work on the passage.
message and time you spent on it and just the personal reflection is always helpful I think for us to sit here um, from you and uh, anyone who's up here so um, so yeah it's given us a great um, just three points out of this passage for us to focus on as we go into this week and I would really encourage you to consider Tommy's charge to do them this week right so we'll take some time to We'll uh, take some time to discuss this passage on Wednesday and Thursday in our groups. But it'd be great if you showed up on Wednesday and Thursday, having already started the process of thinking through how can I be better to be quick to hear, slow to be speak, and slow to anger, right? And thinking through what things make that hard, what things, uh, where, where did I have victories this week? Um, and then also just really thankful, Tommy, for you driving home that there's a reason why James says this. It's so that you can better receive God's word, right? And these things act kind of like blockers to us receiving God's word when we don't have these things put in place. So really excellent job and uh, thankful for you. And so, yeah, bring your Bibles. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll see you Thursday. You guys have a good Sunday. We'll see you Thursday.